Oh, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. Father, we thank you for our gathering this morning. Um, people that are gathered with us from all around the world, people who are watching us online, from Akure, from Kwale, and from different parts of the globe, people in their living rooms right now some in their bedrooms right now some people in their offices right now lord we thank you for the life of everyone you have brought us into year 2023 and here we are the last sunday in the month of january you have kept us from the very beginning of the year up until this moment we do not take it for granted we don't take it for granted we lift up our ebenezer unto you father and we say this is how far you have helped us we acknowledge you in our lives. We acknowledge you in everything that we do in our ministry, in our jobs, in our marriages, in our academics, our businesses, our health, our career. We acknowledge you, O oh God. If not for you, where would we have been? The enemy desire to have us as a prey to their teeth, but you have not allowed them to have us as a prey to their teeth. You have kept us. You have loved us. You have delivered us. You have comforted us. You have provided for us. Oh, Yoruba people will say, Taloda Bire. There's no one like you, O oh God. There is no one like you, O oh God. And that's why forever we will worship you. Forever we will worship you. Oh, that song says, I will worship you forever love you forever 
you Lord we give you praise and glory we give you all of the honor in Jesus mighty name we have prayed amen oh come on let's say loud amen Amen. glory be to God can we put our hands together for the Lord Jesus glory be to God hallelujah amen all right I want you to just rise up to your feet and just welcome as many people as you can to the household of God this morning. Lord, welcome somebody to church. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's be seated. In God's presence, amen. Thank you, guys. Praise God. All right, I welcome everybody to church uh, this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, five Sundays in the month of January. It's been a, a long one, praise God. Uh, and it's also a short one, praise God. <laughs> it doesn't even look like five Sundays, praise God. I mean, the year just started. And it's as if he started running. Glory be to God. Uh, but we are thankful that you and I were alive today. Uh, we're grateful to God because he has kept us. Um, except the Lord build a house, the laborers are building in vain. And except the Lord watch over his city, the watchmen can just go and sleep. Praise God. Because no matter how much ammunition they have, 
at the end of the day, if God is not watching the city with them, uh, everything is going to be in vain. So we are grateful to God uh, for blessing us and for keeping us up until this moment. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I believe you're ready for the word. Are you ready for the word? Oh my God, only Deacon is ready. Oh my God, are you ready for the word? Okay, I'm hearing some other people join Deacon now. Are you ready for the word? Glory be to God. All right, um, this year, 2023, um, every last Sunday of the month um, is going to be a partnership Sunday. And what we intend to do um, is to continually show us, enlighten us uh, about what it means to partner with God. Uh, because it's important when you do not know the reason for the thing, when you do not know the purpose for the thing, uh, someone said abuse is inevitable. Uh, in fact, if you're doing something and you don't know why you're doing it, uh, then it probably will not count for anything. Is somebody hearing me this morning? When you don't know the reason why you have to partner with God, when you do not understand why you have to walk with God, or let me put it, walk for God, uh, then you probably just do it anyhow. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? But when you have an understanding of the why, that becomes the driving force for you. That becomes what motivates you. That becomes what inspires you to want to do everything within your power to ensure you get the job done. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? I mean, who, who wakes up every morning, uh, dresses up, you know, uh, and runs to work, you know, and at the end of the month is not, is not expecting anything. I mean, it's just working for free. Now, you see, it's a different thing when you know that I'm working for free and it's because I want to gather knowledge. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, but you see, even the, the gathering of knowledge for you becomes a motivation for you to wake up and go to work. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Because you see, in the days that we live in, we have something we call volunteering. Where you volunteer, you're not paid, but you volunteer that this is what I'm going to do for this person or that company or that organization. Glory be to God. And in the place of volunteering, you're able to gather knowledge that somewhere along the line of your future, you are going to be able to make use of. Is somebody hearing me? So you see, the gathering of that knowledge, even though you're not paid, becomes a motivation for you. Because as long as you're not motivated, there's nothing driving you, uh, then you will likely do that thing anyhow. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you know that, oh, <clears throat> you're going to work, for example, maybe the reason why you want to work is because you want to get money. But in your office, they are telling you that we're not going to pay you, but you have to be a volunteer and just come to work. You will find out that while you are volunteering, you probably will not put in your best. Are you hearing me? 
And the reason is because money is your motivation, but in your place of war, they are looking, they are not looking at money, they are looking at the experience that you are going to get. So, when you are not able to set your priorities right, when you are not able to understand the reason why you are doing a thing, then you are not motivated and you will never be able to give your best. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? But when, but when you have a vision, you have something that you're driving at, you have something you're aiming at, you know the reason why you have to do what you got to do, then it becomes a motivation for you. Oh, are you hearing me? For example, I look at people who give excuses for not coming to church or for getting late to church. Glory be to God. You will find out that from Monday to Friday, they resume at their working place 7 a.m. And they will never be late. <laughs> they will never be late. And that's because, you know, I, I was had a friend who was working with Zeni Bank who told me that um, I think they're supposed to clock into the bank by 7.30. Now, when you clock in by 7.31, you're already late. And he said, every time you come late to work, you clock in later than 7.31, they deduct, was it 2,000 or 5,000 naira from your, from your salary at the end of the month? They reduce, uh, yeah, I think it's 5,000. They remove. So, what now happens is that at the end of the month, they now throw a party within that branch. Praise God. And it's the money of the people that came late that they will used to throw party for everybody. So you too, you will be there. You'll be eating the rice, eating the meat pie, whatever is available. But you know that Kai, now my money now they used to do this thing. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So because they know that something is going to be deducted from their salary, you see them rush. You see them run. Some of them come down from the vehicle, from the taxi, from their vehicle, and you see them running into the bank. Because they know and understand that there's something at stake. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They'll never go late to work. But you see, we saw, oh my God, I posted something. You see, we take God for a ride. Too much. Too much. And you see, interestingly, he's a good God. He's a loving Father. He will never count those things against you. But see, one of the things I've learned in my life that when I meet a person who is very nice, I'm always extremely careful with that person. Because you see, if that person is too nice and you begin to take that person for granted, because that person is nice, he may not count it against you. But you see, within your heart, within, maybe not for everybody, but within me, my conscience will not be able to carry it because something begins to tell me that is it because this person is nice, that's why you're doing what you're doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is good, is a loving father. And none of us seated here or listening to me online in Akure Quality Church or wherever you're joining us from online will have an appointment for a contract of a billion dollars and you will, you will say you slept late. <laughs> or you will say, oh, I, I woke up and something, something, something happened. Whatever, whatever happened, you will attend to it later. Is that not it? Come on, talk to me now. Will you not say you attend to it later? Come on, talk to me now. You know, we husbands, we do that a lot. You have an appointment. Somebody wants to give you some money. And your wife is saying, hey, 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 I'll talk, I'll talk to you later. Praise God. Why? Because there's something you want to go and meet. There's an expectation. 
And maybe the reason is because we do not have an expectation when we're coming to the household of God. But when there is an expectation, there's an attitude that comes with going to the household of God. Remember what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, I am glad. When they say to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's an excitement that comes with it. I'm excited when they say, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because the psalmist understood that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Somebody came on social media. I said, what's the use of the church? May I don't go to church again? And I looked, I, I responded to that person. And I said, see, maybe you don't understand the use of the church. Especially in a country like Nigeria. We need to thank God for the church every day. You know why? Because a lot of us will have committed suicide a long time ago. If not for the hope that the church gives you every Sunday. That's if your own is Sunday, Sunday. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people come in depressed. Some people come in hopeless. The Nigerian situation has bashed them right, left, and center. And the only place, oh my God. You see, some people never, never get to hear words of encouragement all week until they come to the household of God. Your boss will push you down. Your husband will push you down. Your wife will push you down. Your neighbors will talk down on you. You're riding in a bus. They talk down on you. You are driving. Somebody's winding down and say, Weary. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Weary. I mean, we see, we understand what I'm Everybody talks you down. And the only place you get to hear words of encouragement all week is when you come to the household of God. The psalmist said, I'm excited when they say to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's an excitement that comes with it. More than when I have an appointment with Dan Gute. More than when I have an appointment with Bill Gates. More than when Mark Zuckerberg said, meet me by 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. There's an excitement that comes. I mean, who has the biggest authority out of all these people I mentioned like God? So why would God say to me, I have an appointment with you by 9 and I stroll in by 9? Do you understand? I hope you're getting what it is I'm saying. Because when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When something is not valued, you will abuse it. You will abuse it. Glory be to God. Oh, next month is February. We're going to be talking about love all through next month. Praise God. Hallelujah. Today is not the day for law. Praise God. But just to show you what I'm talking about. Have you realized that for most guys, maybe not all guys, that when a lady comes to ask you out, most times you don't get to value such lady. Can I have a witness in the house? Most times. Because for men, they value the chasing. They value the running after. So when there's no chasing, when you're the one chasing me, it just looks somehow. So you find that, now I'm saying not all men. Some men put value on it. But most men will just look at you like, I mean, <laughs> you're just running after me. You understand? There's no chasing. There's no adventure when it comes to you chasing me. So they do not place value on that thing. And because they do not value that thing, you will find out that they will use it anyhow. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? But when there is value, there is appreciation. There is appreciation. I don't do it anyhow. I don't work it anyhow. 
I don't push it anyhow. I do my best. I give my best because there's value. If we value the presence of God, we will walk differently in the house of God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying to you? Every day I wake up and I tell myself that the greatest assignment given to you, Banjoladipo, is to do the work of the ministry. Is to do the work of God. That's the greatest assignment. We all need money. We all need this. We all need that. But the greatest work given to us by God. Are you listening to me? Because listen, when we eventually get to heaven, God is not going to ask you how much money you make. God is not going to ask you how much, how much, how many children you have. He's not going to ask you, do you have a husband? Do you have a wife? He's not going to ask you this or that. All he's going to ask you, the assignment that I committed into your hands, what exactly did you do concerning it? Or are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And there are some understanding that we need to get, which is what we're going to be looking at all through Sunday. You see, when we say partnership Sunday, a lot of people's mind quickly run to money. <laughs> but it's more than money. Are, are you following me? It's much more than money. Even though money is also part of it. Money is important, but it's much more than money. Because partnership with God, there are a lot of things you will do for God that goes beyond giving God money. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Much more. Much more. The great Letiel Osborne. You know, those crusades all around the world. And one day God showed him. And God asked him in a vision. That in your ministry, who do you think is doing the, the greatest work? In his ministry. And in his heart, he felt like, who else? If I'm not on that stage to preach at those crusades, to those millions of people gathered, I mean, how will they be saved? And God showed them a vision and told him that you're not the one. And he was shocked. He was surprised. And God showed them a vision in that vision of a woman who travels to every of his crusades all around the world. And he doesn't know this woman. When Telosman is coming to Africa, maybe somewhere in Festac, Nigeria, that woman books her flight and travels down to Nigeria, comes to Festa, the crusade ground. And just before T.L. Osborne, just before people will begin to gather, you know what this woman will do? She will pray on every chair. Even if the chair is 5,000, she will spend the whole day praying on each chair. That whoever sits on this chair, if they are blind, they will receive their sight. If they are lame, they will walk. If they are deaf, they will talk. If they are sick, they will be healed. She will pray on the 5,000 chairs before the people will gather. And Chiel Osborne was shocked. And when it was time for his next crusade, you know what he did? He got to the crusade ground early and saw this same woman the way he saw her in the vision. So partnering with God is not just all about money. Is somebody hearing me? Now I want to begin by opening uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go there very quickly. As I begin to lay the foundation. You see, interestingly, uh, uh, this particular, uh, uh, this partnership Sunday, uh, we may it may come in form of a series. Do you understand what I'm saying? It may come in form of a series. What that means is that wherever I stop today, maybe where I will continue the last Sunday in the month of February. Do you understand what I'm saying? That means you're going to hear this message 12 times all through this year. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now let me start. Ephesians chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. Okay? So I'll wait. If you're there, say amen. Ephesians chapter 4. I begin to read from verse 7. In fact, let me start from verse 1. Look at Paul saying, he said, I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. He said, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, he said, I'm beseeching you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have been called. Is saying to you that you see there's a calling upon your life, and what you need to do is to walk worthy. That means according to what you've been called, you need to upgrade yourself and walk in the office wherein you have been called. That means don't don't just don't just do anything because there's a calling upon your life. There's an assignment for you. There's an assignment for you. There's something that you're meant to be doing in the household of God. You see, oh my God, I think it was last year or two years ago in this same place that I preached the message. You see, a lot of times when we talk about the calling of God upon our lives, we're looking at, um, you know, being a pastor, becoming an evangelist, you know, being an apostle. You see, it goes beyond that. When you read in the book of Acts, there was a woman called Tabitha, who was also called Dorcas. How many of you know the story of Dorcas? Dorcas sews clothes. That's what she does. She sews clothes for the saints. That's what she does. So it means that in the household of God, among the gathering of the saints those days, what she does was to sew clothes for the brethren. Now it happened that Dorcas suddenly fell dead. She fell down dead and she died. And when Peter came to her city, there was a cry all over the city. And what was the cry? That Dorcas was dead. That she doesn't deserve to be died. I mean to be dead. Why? People started bringing out the clothes that she sewed. Hey. She sewed this one for me. Hey. She sewed that one for me. Ah. When I was doing my children's graduation. See the one she sewed. Hey. Look at this. Look at that. Her good works as a tailor was speaking for her among the brethren. And the soul of Peter, even though Peter did not know her, his soul was so burdened to a point that he said to himself that Dorcas must not die. And he went to where Dorcas was and brought Dorcas back to life. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, in the household of God, can it be said that you are no longer there and somebody becomes burdened? about what is happening to you do you understand what i'm talking about can your impact go so strong that if you're not there we know that something somebody is missing there's something that is not working because somebody is not there oh are you hearing what i'm saying she was not even in ushering neither was she in prayer unit she was not the pastor all that she did in the household of god among the brethren was to sew clothes for the brethren. And by the raising of her good works, by the raising of her good works, she was brought back to life. Now the truth is, what will be said of you? 
He said we should walk worthy of the vocation. Let's go back to our text. Of the vocation wherein we have been called. Then in verse 2 he said, With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering for bearing one another in love, he said endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. Come on, somebody say one body. Oh my God, somebody say one body. He says, and one spirit. Somebody say one spirit. He said, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, somebody say one Lord, one faith, somebody say one faith, one baptism, somebody say one baptism, one God, somebody say one God. He said, and the Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and you in all, he said, but to every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I love this particular verse, verse 7. He said, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. What Paul is saying is that there is no born one single person amongst us that does not have grace deposited upon their life. Lift up your right hand and say, I have grace. Oh, come on, lift up your right hand and say, I have grace. Oh, in fact, rise up to your feet. Walk up to five people and tell them, I have grace. I have grace. Come on, walk up to five people. Walk up to five people. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. Walk up to five people and tell them, I have grace. I've got grace upon my life. I have grace. There's a deposit of grace upon my life. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. We've all got grace. We all got grace. There's no single one of us that doesn't have grace. There's a measure of grace given to every one of us. But it says according to the gifts that Christ has given to us. There's none of us that doesn't have gifts. And you see that gift that is given to you is expected to be used maximally within the body of Christ. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. That gift that you have is expected to be used maximally within the body of Christ. So I'm an architect. The church wants to do a building project. I mean, you would not expect that the church will now go outside and look for an architect outside. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Oh, you play the keyboard. How committed are you to playing that keyboard? Because that gift came from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We all got gifts. We all got gifts. And it's a grace has been released unto us according to the measure of the gifts that were being given by Christ. Now look at verse 8. He said, wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men somebody say i have gifts in form of men oh my god you're not saying it like i wanted to say say i have gifts that come in form of men say it again i have gifts that come in form of men now the bible says that he ascended into heaven he left captivity captive and he gets he gets gifts unto men so there are men that God has given special gifts. Are you hearing me? He has given them what? Special gifts. These men are gifted by God. Are you following this? 
Now, earlier while I was meditating on this subject, I realized that God wants to do a lot of things on the face of the earth. I hope you know that. He wants to do a lot on the face of the earth. There's a lot he wants to do. Plenty things that he wants to do. But you see, God cannot come onto the face of the earth and begin to do most of the things he wants to do by himself. Are you hearing me? Because the only legal occupant of planet earth is man. So even when God wanted to save man, what did he do? He became a man. So God wants to get this fixed. He will, or let me use the word may, he may not be able to come down and get it fixed. But he will look for somebody that is already on the face of the earth and make use of that person to get that thing fixed. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? He wanted to free the children of Israel from bondage. He could have visited Pharaoh by himself in the palace and said, Pharaoh, let my people go. But he had to look for Moses. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When God wanted to save the whole of humanity, he could have said, humanity, you are all saved. He had to become a man. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? When he wanted to begin to reach out to the Gentiles, because when the gospel was handed over to the first set of disciples, they stayed with the Jews. They were not willing to break out and expand and extend the gospel to the Gentiles. So God had to look for a man in the likeness of Paul to carry the gospel and take it to the Gentiles. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? So you find out that God is looking to and fro the all of the earth and is looking for men that is going to make use of. He's looking for men that he will hand over gifts to. That those men may become gifts to us. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now let's read further down. You will understand what I'm saying. Verse 9. Now he said, now that he ascended, what is it? But that he that also descended first into the lower part of the earth, he that descended is the same also, that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. Now look at verse 11. He said, he gave some what? Oh, are you guys reading with me at all? He gave some what? He gave some what? He gave some what? He gave some what? Pastors and what? And teachers. Now when he said he gave gifts to men. That this man may become gifts to us. It means he called men into different offices. And he gave them different assignments. Now today is not the day where we begin to look at what the apostles does. Or the prophet does. Or the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. It's, that's, that's maybe a subject for another day. But God gave gifts to men. And the reason why he gave gifts to these men. Is so that these men may do something within the body of Christ. Now look at verse 12. He said, for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body. That's the reason why he appointed these men. So he met some people and he said, he gave them gifts, you will be a pastor. He gave some gifts, you will become an apostle. 
he gave some gifts you will be an evangelist and he said all of these gifts were given to these men for one purpose he said for the perfecting of the saints in other words the saints are not yet perfect but you see with the workings of these men the saints begin to move towards perfection are you hearing what i'm saying he said for the work of the ministry the work of the ministry you see these gifts are meant to prepare you for the work of the ministry because all of us have a work to do when it comes to the ministry oh are you hearing what i'm saying the bible says we have all been called into the ministry of reconciliation so we've all got a ministry somebody say ah may i don't have a ministry it is pastors that have a ministry or oh, you tell a lie you've got a ministry the ministry of reconciliation we're meant to all to all reconcile men back to god wherever we find ourselves irrespective of whatever we do he said for the work of the ministry then he said for the edifying of the body for the building of the body but you see where i'm going this morning and i may likely round up the message is that you see god called this man out there was something aaron said he said no man taketh this honor unto himself except the one who is called. That means you can't take the honor and just place the honor on yourself and say, honor me, this one, except God has called you. No man can take that honor unto himself except he has been called by God. Except you have been called by God. And you see, after you have been called by God, you will get to a point and suddenly begin to realize that you see, the work that you have been called to do, the gifts that you have been given, cannot be deployed without men being available to help you to deploy the gifts. Oh, is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Now, last week, after the service, we... We did, we did something very, very significant in this place. And I think I'd like to do it again. I think I'd like to do it again. I'd like to do it again. And I'd like, um, I'd like Mark to come forward. Just, just stay here. I like Mark to come forward. Don't, don't lift it up here too. <laughs> Glory be to God. Now let's go to the book of Exodus. Are you getting blessed? Are you getting blessed? <clears throat> Exodus. 17. We're talking on partnership with God. Exodus 17. If you're there, say amen. If you're there, say loud amen. All right. And I'd like us to begin to read from verse 8 of the book of Exodus 17. He said, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. 
And Moses said unto Joshua, He said, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said unto him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and all went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand at that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were what? Were heavy. And they took a stone. That's Aaron and all. They took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and all stayed up with his hands. One on and the one on and the one side. And the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. And he has it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from where? From under the sun. Glory be to God. Just before we go into the practical aspect of this particular teaching just that I did last week. We're talking about partnership with God. Now, the first thing I said to Ross is that God looks for men and he gives men gifts. Are you listening to me? What he wants to do on the face of the earth, he can come down and do it. So he looks for men. He finds men and says, oh, you, you will go and do this particular assignment for me. And in this particular, step down a little, in this particular exercise, Mark is the one that has been called. Are you hearing? God found him and said, Mark, there's an assignment that you're going to carry out for me. Now, there's no assignment that God gives you that you'll be able to do it alone. Are you hearing me? So God called him. And when we try to match his assignment with what Moses was doing in this text. I hope you are following this context. He was meant to fight a battle. And God has said, you will win this battle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you see, they called, let's call Mark the called. The one who has been called, what he has been told is that, you see, the assignment you have been given will be accomplished by just one thing. And that is to lift it up well. No, you don't have to. You can hold it here so that you can raise your hand up. Is your hand go I need to go up, not this. As long as this thing is raised, his hands are raised. What Moses noticed, and everybody noticed, was that. Israel was defeating Amalek. They were, they were on the battlefield. They were slaughtering Amalek like no man's business. But just watch what happens to Mark after a while. Just, can, we, can we just take some five minutes and watch what happens to him? Can we? Can we? Okay. 
No, we're not. We're not fast forwarding. We, we, I want it to be practical. So, let's let's see if he can maintain his hands being up for this for the next ten minutes. He says it's not possible. Even him say ha. So, whenever his hands begins to go down, he notices that what happens on the battlefield changes. The Amalekite begins to slaughter the children of Israel. Then because he has a passion for his assignment, what does he do? He will turn, ah, we must win. But after a while, what happens to his hand? He begins to come down. But you see, where he was standing, he was not there alone. Oh, are you hearing me? Because even though you have been given the assignment, when you stand alone and you're the one doing everything, what happens to you is you begin to become weary of the assignment that you have been given. Is somebody listening to me? You see, next month, maybe we'll have time next month. By next month, we'll go into the New Testament and we'll see an example of this in the New Testament. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that the numbers of the disciples were growing. They were multiplying. And Peter and the other 12 disciples, they were now serving tables. What the assignment was to preach and teach the people the word of God and to pray. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But the number of the people started increasing. The people that were serving 44 people before, they began to serve 120. They began to serve 3,000 people. So, they were doing more work and they were not having time to pray nor to study, which was their primary assignment. So, the, the disciples had to, the apostles had to, can you see? His hand has, where, where is his hand? Where is his hand? Eh? It has gone to where? Stomach level. But do you want the battle to be won? Come on, raise it up again. Raise it up, raise it up. Now, you see, that is what you do when you don't support the one who has been called. His hands becomes weary. He becomes demotivated. He comes to church. There's nobody there. Where's technical? Where is this one? Where is that one? Where is he? Who His hands begins to go down. So, but because he doesn't, he has a passion for his assignment. What does he do? He raised his hands again. So the disciples said, We can't continue to serve tables. Oh, what now happens when the disciples become 50,000? We don't get to do anything. Then they now appointed men, deacons, and they said, You people will be serving tables so that we can give ourselves continually. To the ministry of the word and prayer. So even in the New Testament, you find what Aaron and all did for Moses taking place in the New Testament. Are you hearing? His answer has already gone back to stomach level. So can I have Aaron and all? Mrs. Patricia and Dick and Michael, can you come quickly? Don't don't put it down. You're still on. Don't worry, I'll buy Coke for you after the service. Somebody remind me. Don't do anything here too. You are sweating, Abby. Can you see? That's what happens to the leader. He begins to sweat. He will have to remove his jacket. Inside AC. 
No, stand, just stand. <laughs> Don't worry. All this is practical enough. Can you put yourself in the position of the pastor, senior pastor of Love Domain Family Assembly? Can you put yourself there? Your hand goes up, but it keeps going down. In Akure, I'm talking to you, Akure, I'm talking to you, Kwale. This is what you do to your pastor when you don't get to the place of your assignment on time. Or you get there and you just do it anyhow. This is what happens. He keeps raising his hand to ensure that everything runs the way it is supposed to run. So you see him leave his seat, run to the back, run to the front, run there, run there, run to buy petrol, run to buy this, run to buy that, run to buy that. Meanwhile, there are people that surround him. And these people have just failed to take the assignment seriously. Their partnership with God seriously. So his hand is still up. Right? Because he has removed his suit now. He has increased the gear. This team must not fail. He removed his suit. Kai, I beg. We will die here. So he has risen down again. So let's wait until... But you see, Aaron and all, they are there with him. He is not alone. And they are watching. And they also observed that ah, when our gas hand goes down, well, we lose the battle. But when his hand tries to go up a little, it, it changes. Then the Bible said, they now looked and said, the first thing we need to do is to get him to a position of rest. Where he is much more relaxed. Is not in that state of is this working? Is that working? Is this is this there? Is this there? Is this person going to come to church? It's almost nine. It's almost this. Where is this person? Where is that person? The first thing we would do is to get him into a place where he's relaxed. So the Bible says they brought a stone. Bring a chair, Dickie. Just, just you can bring that one. So they brought a stone. And said, Oga, sit down. Still raise your hand, though. Because his hand must still not go down, even though he's seated. But is he much more comfortable now? A bit, I like that. Better than when he was standing. So, in your partnership with God, I said, God gives men gifts. Some pastors, some apostles. So, what you and I praise God, should be striving to do is to get our leader into a position of rest where he doesn't have to let me use the word we use in Lagos, hustle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A position of rest. Because a leader that is in a position of rest will function better than the one who is not in a position of rest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's why, you see, till Jesus will come. Now, I'm not looking down on part-time ministry. Are you listening to me? But somebody who is in full-time ministry should function better than somebody who is in part-time ministry. Do you get what I'm saying? Because what you do part-time, and the one who is doing it full-time, he should have more resources. More, do you understand what it is I'm saying to you? So you realize that even though he's rested, he still has to raise those hands for the battle to be won. But even though he's seated, his hands still go down. So the next thing they did, 
the Bible says one person came to this side and the other person came to this side. So, support this hand. Support the hand. Mark, do something for me. Can you drop your hand like you, are, you, want, to, like you want to drop your hand? So that you are raising your hand, but your hand is resting on their efforts. How do you feel? How do you feel? Can you stay like this for the next one hour? With your hand rested on them for the next one hour. Did you see that? So, with these people partnering with what God is doing through Moses, he can stay here. The Bible says they stood like this till the sun went down. And what happened? You know, Joshua, uh, uh, Joshua was the one leading the battle. Aaron and all were lifting up his hands. And because his hands was up steadily from that time till the sun went down, Joshua beat. Joshua beat nonsense. The, the Bible used the word discomfited. He said, and Joshua discomfited the Amalekites. And after beating them on that battlefield, you know what God now said? God told Moses, he said, tell Joshua, tell I want to salon, yeah? ah. You, Joshua, you will finish them. They are not going to hide. I'm going to wipe out that race called Amalekite from the face of the earth through Joshua. But the only way Joshua will win the battle is if these hands are up. And the only way these hands can be up is if these two stay by his side. I posted something in the church WhatsApp group during the course of the week. I saw it on the page of a man of God, much younger man of God to me. And he said, people move from small churches to big churches because they envy, they like what is happening in those big places. Ah, see clouds. Ah. So they move there, not understanding that once upon a time, that big place was a small place. And there were people in the days of their smallness who stood their ground. Why are people outside? Come on, everybody should be in. Everybody, call them. Everybody should be in. That while they were in their days of smallness, there were men who stood with them and held their pastor's hands and said his hands would not go down until they become what they became. So, we like what they have become but we are not ready to do what they did to become what they became oh is somebody hearing me this morning you see i and dickness barbara we were at um dcc uh the last time that um reverend abato duoli you know was around and we wanted to pack I wanted to park within their premises, you know, and just stay in the car. Because Reverend Albert said, immediately he gets to the venue, he will call me so that I'll meet him, then we will go in together. So I said, I'll just park within their premises and wait until he comes or until he calls me. And you know what Dickness told me? Dickness said, they will not allow you to stay and just hang around like that. And I said, why? 
he said pastor don't worry when we get there you will understand what i'm saying there were ushers everywhere at the outside of the church and they were every car that was parking people you can't just stand and just be looking they will come and meet you okay what are you you're supposed to be inside and he said these people get there way earlier before the service will start and when we got there truly we couldn't even park inside we we're directed to park outside so when we came in i was telling her we'll just stand somewhere but coming into that facility i knew that we can't just stand anywhere because there were eyes looking at you as you were coming oh do you understand what it is i'm saying to you for us to become what they become we need to do what they do you see this man alone does not have what it takes for the battle to be won even though his utmost desire is that the battle be won if he lays his hands he will do oh my god can you see what dickie michael just did now because he realized that holding his hands like this is becoming uncomfortable even for him so he had to get into a position a better position all to ensure that these hands does not go down can you see what she just did too i didn't tell her is it not even interesting that moses was not the one that said ah uh, aaron oh i better bring chair bring chair make i sit down the bible says aaron and all they took initiative because this man must be in a state of rest if he's not in a state of rest this battle will be lost are you hearing what i'm saying so in your partnership with god as a member of the household of christ as a member of love's domain family assembly in akure in Kuala, i'm talking to you members i'm talking to you workers all that should be at the back of your mind is how can i get my pastor into a state of rest how do i do that don't forget they were not told they just took initiative are you hearing what i'm saying they just took initiative i remember when i was first coming to lagos and i told akure church that i was going to be coming once every month to see and just preach minister to them once every month i told them in that service i knelt down and everybody prayed for me because by the following day i was leaving akure and i was coming to lagos and after the service, a very quiet lady, gentle lady, just came to me. She's also a lawyer, interestingly. Came to me and said, Pastor, I want to see you. And I said, okay. He said, how do you intend to be coming to Akure and going back every month? Ah, I said, number one, I said, I have my car. And I said, number two, the day I don't feel like driving, maybe due to stress and all of that, I just enter a bus. She said, Pastor, can I, can I do something? I said, what do you want to do? He said, your toe and fro, that one every month can i be playing paying for your flight ticket some of us are not members of love's domain family assembly as are them but if you go back on my page or people who have been following me before i came to lagos you will realize that when we were in ikeja i traveled to akure once every month and if you remember i go by flight she pays for it every month and says no you will be too stressed doing that you need to be in a state of rest and she said i will pay for your flight every month and she did that 
you know, not until, you know, the sons of Belial did what they did in Akure. Praise God. You know what I'm talking about. Rest. Rest. The disciples were serving tables. The people they were serving was becoming too much. What do we do? Let us appoint men. In the New Testament, the disciples were the ones that said, let us appoint men. If not, we will just die. But in the Old Testament, and I believe we should be better than people of the Old Testament. Don't you think so, man? Aaron and all were not told by Moses. They saw the position. This guy is not resting. If we don't get this guy rested, they will flog us. We, they will, everything, in fact, everything is going to go down. If we don't get him to rest, everything is going to go down. As much as Moses wanted to lift up his hands, there's something called pain that set up in his shoulders and kept bringing his hands down. And they took initiative. They got a stone. Sit. And they placed themselves one on the right and one on the left. And they ensured that these hands do not go down. I can tell you that Mark right now, his hand is resting on, on them. Am I right? You can feel the weight of his hand, right? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? And he can stay in this position as long as they are there standing with him. Glory be to God. Somebody lift up your right hand and say, I will partner with God. Put your hands down. Come on, help me put your hands together for the three of them. Especially Mark. Come on, help me celebrate him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Have you been blessed? Come on, have you been blessed? I hope Mark will still have hand to play the keyboard. <laughs> Can you help me clap for him one more time? Clap for him one more time. Glory be to God. Just lift up your right hand wherever you are. And say, Lord, use me. Rise up to your feet and say, Lord, use me. Use me. It was Catherine Coleman that said, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Oh, just open your mouth and just commit yourself unto God one more time this morning. I say, Lord, I receive grace for my assignment.
I receive grace for my assignment. Just pray, just pray, just pray. 